Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation podcast, supplying you with the tools and insights to access your business's full potential. Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation. My name is Sean Mader, and I'm excited about our guest today. One big kind of point we're making with this podcast is that innovation is far more than just the technology or the product fit or design the next feature. To really be an innovative organization means the kind of interactions between the people on the team, the kind of way that questions are framed, the way that people come together to ideate in that process of interaction around it. So we're obviously focused way more on trust and how to do that amongst teams. Our guest today, Brendan Westing, comes on with a completely different perspective on this, and it's one that I really love. Uh, I'm going to say it this way and let him explain it, but uh, Brandon plays with Legos with high-performance teams. And uh, Brandon, welcome, and I will let you unpack what I just said, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me first, Sean. Of course. Uh, great to be here. And yeah, I it's I mean, be able to tell people I play with Legos for a living is uh I mean if you would ask me ten years ago, that's like, nah, that that doesn't exist, right? But but it does. And I didn't invent this. It was this method called uh Lego Serious Play. And it was built in the nineties. The the chairman of Lego was frustrated with how they were going about business, basically. We need more curiosity, we need more imagination. And so they mm. went out and they built this methodology. Uh, they don't do it anymore because, well, they're clearly uh, successful in other areas. But, you know, in the mid 2000s, if you wanted a consulting service, you could go hire Lego to teach you how to do this on your teams. Uh, now I do it and I absolutely love it because it has people. Basically, the way I like to think of it is I help teams think better by giving them temporary communication superpowers. Uh, mm. Yeah, say more about that. So, it's, yeah, yeah, you got yeah. people. What do you encounter and then what happens? Because th this is so fascinating in here. It's it's like giving people permission to go into a completely different mindset, into a completely different space. Not even permission, actually. It's almost it's almost forcing them into a whole new world, right, where your objectives are different. You're just trying to figure out how to work through this whole process. I may put a pile of Lego bricks in front of you, Sean, and I'm going to ask you to start building stories out of Lego uh, using metaphor. And it's going to take you a couple practice rounds to get used to it. But once you get the hang of it, it's really easy. And instead of in a normal conversation where you might be thinking, oh, how should I answer this question? Or what do I say next? Or you're, you're right. We're all kind of pre-planned on how these things are going to happen in our mind. Instead, you have this pile of Lego bricks and you have to build. I might ask you, what's your identity, Sean? Who are you? What do you believe in? What are you great at? Uh, what is your purpose? And you have to build that out of Lego bricks. And I don't give people a lot of time either. We're talking like five, six minutes. So you're scrambling trying to figure out how to do this. You don't have time to be worried about how it looks. You don't have time to look across the table because you won't, you have no idea what I'm building. And then suddenly, after a short period of time, everyone takes a moment and they share their model. They hold it up and they point to the various pieces and they talk about what they mean. And the metaphor holds a vast majority of the language. So it actually is very, very succinct way of communicating. And it becomes just easy to understand. So you get to the point quicker. Everyone's succinct. And you're listening with wonder and curiosity. Because while you're holding up this weird model that has propellers and eyeballs and all sorts of weird things on it, I'm looking at it going, what in the world did you build? And I really want to know. And I'm not, I'm not listening with curiosity, uh, curiosity with judgment, where you're like, oh, what did he build? You're thinking like, I'm really wondering, 
wow, what's, what's your take on this? Because this is like the process I just went through. And so the shared experience, it just, it brings you into a whole new place of communicating succinctly, listening earnestly, and that allows you just to keep moving down the path towards whatever the objective might be, whether it's defining the problem that you're working on, setting up right the, the right boundaries for your next transformation, or just connecting as a team and, and understanding right what your values and what your purpose is as an organization. Well, so I'm going to have you unpack some of that because I, the, I think where it's there for people is like playing with stuff is a, maybe it's a nice to have, or some people might even think it's a waste of time. Why am I going to go play? And you're talking about communicating more succinctly than many people could be thinking. We already do. I talk to them. I walk us through that, that pattern of like how we are in our normal day-to-day life and our thought patterns and why something like playing with Legos brings a completely new element into the, and, and why that would actually make communication more succinct, even though you're not talking as much. Exactly. And so I like to think of it this way. Uh, if you take any group of eight people, let's take eight people, just go pick eight randomly on the street and you put them in a room and you have them talk about something. It doesn't even matter what it is. You're going to find that two of those people are going to dominate the conversation period, mm-hmm. right? One probably even more so than the other. You're going to have a couple people that dominate. You're going to have a couple people that are going to be maybe not communicating much at all. And the other four are going to be somewhere in the middle, right? Depending on what's happening. Because every time we communicate with another person and especially within a group, there's all of these different mental pieces going, right? There's there's what I want to project. There's what I, I think I'm projecting, what I'm actually projecting, what I think you think I'm projecting. Just all these weird, right, crazy communication, like thoughts and channels. And then that's with each other person, right? So if I'm with eight people, that's seven different lines of communication connection. On top of that, think of all the other varieties that impact how we communicate in groups. There's the introversion, extroversion scale, which kind of ties back to that dominance. But there's also hierarchy in an organization, right? If I have a CEO and and someone, right, there's that is going to impact it. There's ego, right? Wanting to sound smart, uh, right? There's always the person in the meeting. And I, I know I I used to be this guy, I think. I'm, I'm pretty good at it now. But sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to say this thing. And you're like, did you really move the conversation along? Uh, there's mm-hmm. fear. There's our background. There's cultural variances. All of these things uh, really tie into, right, making communication challenging. Right. That's like daily communication is like, it's that's daily. the condition of day-to-day communication. Yeah. Yeah. And so now imagine, right, you have something extremely important in front of you and you're like, well, I really need to get like everyone's insight on this. Well, let's let's talk about it. Uh, But even then in the standard normal conversation, right, if I ask a question to a room and you're the first person that talks, Sean, then the next person's answer is likely going to be slightly altered by you. And then the third person is that they're going to be altered even more. right? So the communication ends up actually kind of meandering, right? It takes this little path based on what's being said and based on who says it. This is why a lot of times uh, leaders especially will hold their mouth until everyone has had a chance to smoke because they don't want to write, uh, they don't want to color the room. They don't want to right. have everyone jump on their opinion and go, oh yeah, I agree, right? Because they're like, oh, this is, what, this is what the boss thinks. Let's just go with that, right? And call it good. And so again, like all of these things are coming out. So where Lego comes in is it, is it really takes all of that and it throws it to the side, right? So now... If I were to ask, you know, what is the what is the biggest challenge that we're going to face this year as an organization, right? Or what is what does success look like this year for us, for each person at this table? Instead of having this back and forth and bouncing back and forth and having you speak five times and someone else not speak at all, 
now everyone gets a moment to sit with their thoughts. Not a ton of time, right? But oh, wow, I'm going to put this together out of Lego bricks, right? And so I have... I have a couple Lego bricks in front of me just because it's fun to do. So like I, I, I always say, say, if we can get an de oh, online demo here, we could uh... need a visual. And this is just a very simplistic one. But like if you were to ask me, like, what is what's, you know, a vision of success is a, in a very short way. So I want to say that this little white plate here in front of me, well, I want to say this is this represents my business right now. And, and then I'm going to put this little this little propeller piece. I'm going to put this on top in my mind. It's kind of fun. So it's got the movement, right? Like spin it. This is it, it growing, right? It's raising. It's raising up. And I'm going to take this little pink flower and I'm going to put it on top here. And this pink flower represents success. And I'm just going to say that means success financially, success from uh, customer customer enjoyment, uh, and success from my enjoyment of the role. And then I have this little eyeball piece here. I'm going to put that on top of the pink flower. And that's going to be looking forward to scale in the future. So now what I've done is I've taken four elements in a very short period of time and I made it into a tiny little model. Now, this is pretty basic and very straightforward, but anyone sitting around the table could look at that and go, I understand. I get that, right? It takes a lot of, it takes the need for language where a lot of the miscommunication can come from. And it just puts it out very simply. This is what this means. So now I have eight other people around the table and I see their model too. I get it. I get it. I get it. And that language becomes compressed. The model, right? Think of just like a picture is worth a thousand words, right? A customized model. How many words is that worth? That's oh, amazing. I need to talk way less. I understand what you're you're saying, and it just creates this this playing field that is, it's just different, right? It's just it is even hard to like link back to the conversation because it's so outside of the norm that you can't like bring your agenda in. You can't. It, it's too hard to make it to well, make it fit like a normal conversation. You mentioned this that it's kind of a great equalizer because you'll have the CEO do this at the same time as some junior person everybody in that group is doing the same engaging the same process which is engaging a completely different part of their brain and once you say stop everybody's going to go around and share so i'm, I'm curious about like how people what you experience with people when you throw them into this people who I, I are obviously smart and competent and all of that what are some of the things you encounter in these sessions and what do you watch people grapple with I think it's it's a couple things. Uh, first off, is there's a level of there's a level of joy, period, in the room. Like right off the bat, there's a point of because no one, unless you've done it before, you don't really know what's coming. And usually, it's we're gonna do this thing, but we're gonna do it with Lego bricks. And so everyone's kind of like, I don't. The expectations they're they're not necessarily there. It's kind of like, what mm. is this? And then you're almost doing a little like a uh, sleight of hand magic trick. Oh like you don't have no idea why we're doing this, but it's right. gonna be great. Yeah, completely. And then you see, right, and actually one of my favorite things to do is put the put the Lego bags and boxes out and then see who breaks the rules. I never tell them if they can open or not. I like to see what they do. And then there's always invariably one or two people that's looking around and they're like, they start to open the bag and they start pulling the pieces out and they start playing with them a little bit. And they're like, ooh, ooh was I not supposed to do that? It's kind of like the whole, yeah. right, I'm going to see what I can get away with. Um, so there's this level, this childlike energy with some folks. Now, the challenging part is, Right, we get started, and I don't have a, a very a huge beginning. We just jump in and start building. It's going to get people into that flow state. It takes mm -hmm. a few stages, and the most difficult part is when you introduce metaphor. And then there's kind of this like people are looking around the room like, oh, wait, wait, huh, what? Uh, because it's weird, right? That it's not a normal thing for us to do. And the other challenging thing is people, especially in a, in an organizational environment, we don't want to look dumb. 
we don't want to be wrong. And one of the key, like the number one rule about Lego serious play is the builder cannot be wrong, right? Mm. The builder cannot be wrong. I should, I have a little asterisk on that. The only time the builder's wrong is when they don't actually answer the question. But whatever your answer is, because we're asking for ideas, insights, opinions, your knowledge, your viewpoint, you can't be wrong. There's a struggle with that. There's definitely a struggle of, right, I want the right answer. And so I would say those, the folks that want black and white, they probably struggle the most. And it takes, it, that, again, it takes a couple rounds. And that's why we have warm-up exercises. We have, mm. you know, the first exercise in, we just, we just build something. There's no metaphor at all. Just build, just to show that you can build. And for the few people that have never played with Lego, they get, they feel, okay, I can right. do this, right? I acclimate. You can all build. Yeah, right. Get into the feel of it. Then the excitement grows. Then we do like the first metaphor round. And the first metaphor round is getting, again, something that only you know. Uh, you know, something something around the effect of uh, you know, build a model that shows what you wanted to be. Grew up or build a model that shows what you're most excited about right now. And you can't be wrong and no one else knows what that answer is. So it gives you a level of accomplishment, right? You stay in that. Uh, you know, the the flow zone where you're in between, right, boredom and anxiety because you're still kind of figuring it's not too difficult. You can accomplish it. And that's we're really trying to keep people in that flow state. And then once we start getting to right the actual questions that matter, there's a level of confidence that people get. And part of this, too, is it's like a communal learning exercise as well, because even though I've built my model out of the metaphor and maybe that, you know, I didn't quite get it or it was a little frustrating for me. I just saw how seven, eight, however many other many people are at my table, I got to see how they use metaphor. So now I have a, all these new examples like, oh, I get it. I get it. So as you go throughout the workshop, the more builds you have, you start to see people using creative things, right? How do I use the wheel? Or I put this, took the minifigure in half and I put its head on a pike over here, right? So you get to see and people enjoy yeah. this, right? There's a level of creative expression, again, because you can't be wrong. And once once people really sit into that, it's it's easy. It becomes really easy and it becomes more exciting and more fun, even though we're talking about work, which again, as I think it goes back to what you're saying, it's a, it feels like a little sleight of hand because we're still talking about work here. It's just playful. Well, that's what I love about it is that, okay, you take people who don't know what they're coming into. They're used to, we're always at, at almost at war against this kind of uh, routine thinking. People do fall in their silos over time naturally. Uh, there's certain un implicit rules that just arise naturally in organizations where people just start to, you know, s silo down their own thinking. But what you're doing is bringing them in to first deal with something really easy, something personal, low stakes, like you said, what you wanted to be when you were a kid. But you do get into topics then that are actually very important for the functioning of the company. And they're having fun doing it. So I'm just curious to know what kinds of insights or things that you've you've encountered that were really actually important that you never would have gotten in any other way and how that really impacts how a company views itself or its product or how it's functioning as a team. Absolutely. It's it's um, I think a lot of it really comes down to specifically getting the unique insights out in a succinct way. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my my favorite workshops last year was a group of 12 senior leaders, which we had split in two separate groups, uh, two, so two groups of six. And we were doing a workshop around vision of success. What does success look like for their North American group? 
And of course, we had everything from the CEO to the COO to right head of legal. You've got logistics operations. And of course, right, you, you have to work up to it. We get into the build. It's, you know, all of this exercise. And there's always a little skepticism, like, okay, when is this? Are we just playing here? When is this going to get real? And then you start jumping into the real questions. And one, it's actually really fun to see the com competition come because now people are like, oh, wait, I know what I'm doing. I'm really going to show right my thing. But then you start going around the room and you start getting people sharing things very succinctly, very to the point. And in a short period of time, you get to see all the different things that people are working. And I think uh, a vision of success is always a fantastic one for me because I think, right, how often do we have partners that we work with? But do we understand their goals? Do we understand what they're moving towards? Right. So then the next stop was now that we have all of these pieces and you saw a lot of aha moments like, oh, I didn't know that. Right. So people are now learning. They're gaining all of these insights. Then we had them join. Right. So well, we can't we're not all individual. This is one organization. We need to join our visions of success into one shared model. And this is fun, too, because it's just a big negotiation. Right. Everyone gets some pieces in and, uh, you know, we give them a chance if there's something that's missing. Of course, right? we want this to be as complete as possible. But suddenly, and this takes a few hours to get through the steps, you have these models that represent all of your everything you're working towards. You're like, oh, wow. OK, this is really cool. And there's some repetition again to remember, hey, this is these are all the things that we're working on. And, and this is where the fun part of it, too. It's, it's the journey, right? It's the journey that you take. Them right. so now we all understand where we're at. We all know what we're working towards. We've all combined. We're like this togetherness. And uh, there's something in there I always like to call out the, the Ikea effect when you build things, right? Especially with your hands, you value it more. So there's this pride that happens. Yeah. Uh, and I see it every time we do a group build. And it's just like, yeah, we built this. This represents us and who we are and what we're doing. But then you start going, well, what's going to get in the way? What's going to impact us next year, right? Is it, and this was, uh, this was around when the uh, war on talent and quiet quitting was really big in the headlines. Suddenly we had 15 or 20 different agents built out on the table. And, and then we started rearranging towards their vision of success, right? So we had these two models that represented the vision of success that we'd combined into one. And now all of these things, we had them rearrange them. What's most impactful? What's most likely? What do we have the most control over? And through this physical play of moving all of these people around, these light bulbs were going. And this discussion started happening of like, oh my gosh, these these four or five things are out of our control, but we need to be aware of, them, right? These four or five things are, they're possible, but they're probably not likely. So again, we should put those on the back burner, but then these three or four, these are the things that will derail us. And it was things like distracting, right? Chasing things that aren't part of our strategy and don't get us to our goal, right? The shiny objects that come up. Um, and actually, and, and, and I believe people was the other one, both uh, retaining people and attracting new people. And so it was very, to not only to see the discussion arise to that, but also to kind of see the group like, all come together and agree and say, yeah, this makes total sense. Like, th this is extremely important. Now, that sounds like a lot. That entire time, I, I want to say we did that in two and a half, somewhere two and a half to three hours. We got through wow. all of them. And that's the beauty, right? Think of getting through all of that information and all of those insights in that short a period of time. And part of that is because there's no allowance for tangents. There, you can't shift to the side, right? And that's part of me. I get to, I get to control the flow. Of course, that's I plan it ahead of time, right? With my stakeholders, this is this is the path we're going to take to get from A to B. We're going to go through everyone's success. 
metrics. We're going to combine what success means. And then we're going to look at all the things that could get there. And then we're going to do some physical play to understand the relationships between all these pieces. And there's so much psychology going on in that, that I, you know, mental offloading, being able to see a bunch of items on the table that represent the complex system that is your organization, uh, the externalization, the 3D aspect. One of my favorite things I love to do, especially in that agent play, is just to tell everyone to switch sides of the table because we're all standing up around a big table at this point. Everyone go to the other side of the table. Look at it from a different perspective. There's something about seeing a challenge in 3D and being able to flip it and turn it upside down and see the relationship, the physical relationship that you can alter will actually trigger your brain to get new ideas and new lenses. It's kind of like a, a, a mental model, if you will, right? It's like another kind of mental model to view information in a new way. And just for me, the joy is seeing those light bulbs come on, right? Because again, the participants don't know the path. Well, one of them generally does, but most of them don't know the path that they're going to go through. And to see that surprise and delight to say, we actually got something really productive done. And it was it was kind of fun, right? And there's there's a ton of team building going on during this because people are enjoying each other's models and they're complimenting each other usually on, oh, wow, that's a real clever way of using these pieces. There's always one or two people in every group that love Legos and they're building these crazy contraptions. So it's kind of like imagine if you could have a four-hour right offsite workshop session that actually got something done, was enjoyable, and you got to connect with your team even better. Like, is that how are we not doing this all the time? I, I like, think I that's like I the, found the holy grail, right? <laughs> I think that's the real sneaky um kind of beauty of this approach because you know i'm a former visual artist photographer and i'm I'm used to thinking in metaphor all the time and all stuff but there's so many people who are creatives who a become innovation type folks and facilitators i think because of that and then you encounter a lot of people who don't think they're creative now we all know people who are creative know that that's not true but in, a, in an ironic twist, when people engage in this kind of process, you realize that actually everybody in that organization, in that team has created vastly different ideas about what's going on in that company. Yeah. I mean, to highlight the, the very different occurring worlds for a team of people, and it highlights actually how unaligned they might have been. And in such a quick, a short amount of time to be able to highlight that, and then to collectively bring it all together and organize it, it is one of those hard things I know to quantify on a spreadsheet, but what is the cost of having your people not aligned and how quickly you can expose that, align it, bring it together with a sense of play, fun. And it sounds like people are walking away really satisfied with the process that even led to that. And they actually have a relic, like an actual, you know, as misshapen or whatever technically flawed as that visual metaphor is it's theirs and everybody knows what it means and that's and there's pride right back to that thing like they're, they're proud of it and for good reason because like to unpack some of these things is it's difficult right i mean i imagine doing these workshops with the same questions but verbally you'd be there for four days Right. Because then you got the tangents and like, hold on, let's let's put that in the parking lot. Oh, man, don't we all love the parking lot? OK, put that in the parking lot, put that in the parking lot. Um, it, it's again, it's why it's, it's just such a, a level of magic. And, you know, my my background being in corporate retail for 20 years, 
you know, I do think that the reason why I love this so much is I've, I've always worked with so many bright, intelligent, creative people like who you said, who maybe didn't think they were creative until they found the right tool or they had the right environment, uh, who all were working towards a solution, but couldn't quite verbally right, get past whatever hangups, agendas, communication blockages that are there. Uh, it's yeah, it's just it, it, it's amazing to me. And if anything, I think I've learned how bad our verbal communication is in general and how many things truly do get in the way. Uh, I, I'd love to do Lego for everything, but it would just it would be too exhausting. It's, it's a very yeah, well, taxing exercise. <laughs> no, it, by the way, it does. It really I, I think that's the piece that I'm always left with. You know, I, I jokingly say this, but I say it seriously that I'm a recovering intellectual. And when I'm facilitating people and I'm coaching people, it's almost shocks me the, the level to which people try to over explain and they have no idea all of these factors that they're bringing into their communication and it's linear. And then the next person says, like, it's a very ineffective and inefficient way to discover anything, to get alignment, because we largely are unaware of how many other irrelevant things we're bringing into our speech. So I'm somebody who's discovered that, but I always feel like I might work on it. And the thing I love about serious play is that it doesn't take a skill set. You can literally put people in. They don't even have to understand the process they're going through. And it just kind of bypasses that entire inefficient process. And by activating a different part of the brain and engaging newly in a short period of time, you're walking away with some insights and some uh, uh, structures that are actually really important to teams and i'm just wondering like so what what was the example of the duck that you told me oh yeah that's right the duck so one of the the demonstration uh demonstrations that we have with this is is you you build a lego duck i have one this up it's a little misshapen right now but you have a you have a duck and i, I would i could hand these uh hand this this group of six pieces to I did this once with 50 people and I got one duplicate duck because again, there's no wrong answer. And you would all think, right, we know what a duck looks like. We know one of the pieces even has eyes on it. Yet right. everyone builds this slightly different duck. It, and rarely do you see a duplicate because we see the world in such a different way. And there's over, over 6,000 combinations of duck you can build with these pieces. So that's step one of the demo. It's kind of a fun parlor trick. Like, okay, we all have this nuanced perspective of the world. And the second step would be to add metaphor in. And, and to, to build, again, like build a model, build a duck that tells a story about what you're most excited about. Uh, and I did this with my team. The very first thing I did when I was certified in this method uh, three years ago, three, yeah, almost four years ago. Uh, and I asked my team, we were going through a, a rough transformation at this time. And I asked them, I said, I want you to build a duck that tells me how you feel about the organization. And I honestly, I wasn't sure. I knew the answers were. I knew it was, it was playing with fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we needed to have the conversation. And I was like, well, maybe this this would be a, a you know, a good way to intro to that. And so there were, there were two ducks that I remember and everyone built, you know, a variety of duck. But one duck was all the heavy pieces were on top. It kept falling over because we had just hired multiple new vice presidents and no one to support them. So, of course, the top heavy duck. Right. Let's add more more senior right. leadership, which most teams are not excited about uh, <laughs> to do a little extra support. But then my favorite duck was. This stuck right here and trying to hold that up to my screen where none of the pieces are connected. And this is this is one of the most powerful metaphors that I think come out, right? Tell me how you feel about the company. A duck, none of the pieces are connected. And that's exactly what uh, this gal said. Teams aren't connecting. 
everyone's running down their own path. No one's communicating. And it was true. And she said 12 words and that image of all the pieces apart. Like that, that one is like, wow, I get it, right? You don't need, you don't need to say much more than that. In fact, a lot of people, I like just hold up the pieces and most people just laugh. Like, I understand what that means. <laughs> so again, yeah, just this level of communicating in a way that is, it's hard to misunderstand. Yeah. I, I find it so surprising. Like you say, like people, I know that people come in there and they're like, they're going to, we all have our desire to get it right, do it well, have it make sense. And you're, you're really not giving them the time or the, the freedom to do any of that. You're just bypassing it. But I find it so interesting that when people hold up whatever they did in that limited amount of time, surprisingly, other people actually get it. And they're excited to share. I think that's the other part of it, right? Going back to that IKEA effect, to that pride, to that being excited about it. Sometimes, right, especially, and you'll see this this shift throughout a workshop. People will get more confident as they go on. Uh, but people will hold up their model and they're excited to talk about their story, right? And they're no longer, and I think this is the thing that fights groupthink, where, you know, how many times, and I, I can say this for myself, I've been in a ton of meetings where you're like, okay. I have like a nuance on that point that was just said, but is it really that different? Do I want to jump in? Do I want to right, take back this meeting, which is clearly flowing and we need to be out of here in 20? And eh, maybe I don't pull that nuance point up. This is where that nuance does come out, right? And you're like, no, this is mine because it only takes you again, a minute, minute and a half to share what you have. Like, got it. Those slight variations. And I think for the things that matter, right? Culture, strategy, transformation, you need that nuance. Those are the things that make the difference. Um, and it's, it, it's just, a level of insight that's really hard to get at. The other cool part about this too is the externalization factor. People mm. will go deeper. Uh, I, I'm constantly shocked at this. And I, in fact, I did this duck exercise with a uh, group of small group, four or five people at a, a co-working uh, facility, and just like four or five of us, none of us knew each other. And and I asked them as an experiment. And usually, I do very positive questions and, and things like that, just kind of a get to know you, but. I don't know. We were jamming a little bit. So I asked him, like, what's getting in the way of your success? Was that build a duck that tells a story of what gets in the way of your success? And I gave him one little what we call a metaphor piece, kind of like this pink flower, right? Something that mm. is a little bit different. And I couldn't believe the stuff that came out. And this was like a one hour deal with strangers. People were like, oh, this is me over here with this business I want to start. And this is my anxiety. And it's stopping me like, oh, my God. Wow. Mm. And like she felt comfortable to say that in front of a group. Uh, and you see this consistently. And it, because you're externalizing, it becomes easier to talk about things because the emotion isn't tied to it. And right. once you step away, suddenly you can go deeper. People do go deeper and they'll say things they wouldn't normally say verbally in a meeting, which is good, right? You don't want holding back in those important meetings again. Uh, and so, yeah, just being able to, uh, one of the exercises I also do with, uh, and this is more just for fun on the side, when I have friends who are thinking about finding a new job or changing their career or stepping into a new line of work, I'll sit down, we'll have coffee and we'll build out like, what do you want? Like, what are you looking to do? All right. Build me a model that shows me your proudest accomplishment. And suddenly what happens over a very short period of time, they don't need a whole lot of Legos. It becomes there's two or three levers that are very clear. It's this mm. or it's that, right? It's this or it's that. It's these two or three things, but the emotion in our mind, right? The, the, cause we're, Right. We're so good at, at, at future casting at looking at, at possibilities and what might be and what could be and the things that all go along with it, that sometimes those details, it makes everything a little bit more cloudy. And so to get a clearer picture, you can just pull it out. Right. You, you know, put it out here uh, where suddenly you can see it. There it is. Right. 
I thought what you said before was so brilliant, though, about the way that language and interactions really do steer people away from critical insights. When you have the linearity of a meeting where somebody says one thing, now everybody calibrates themselves based on that. And then it's then you see the ticking clock, the linearity of it and the, ex, the just the speaking of it. When you completely take that away and everybody engages simultaneously in one thing, you free people up of all of those constraints, knowing that you will take time to go around, but that the you got the autonomy to have your thinking and, and processing be free of influence, company dynamics, the, you know. Uh, self-consciousness, all of that stuff, strip it all away. It really does highlight maybe how critical having these intervals of that kind of engagement would be. And boy, how much time and uh, uh, energy is just being wasted on some of our more uh, inefficient ways of communicating that we take for granted. No, absolutely. It's I still think a lot of this is, and my favorite part is it's balancing out that introversion, extroversion scale. Right. You know, I can tell you as someone who I sit smack in the middle, right? I'm in that, right in that ambivert thing. Like I've, I've, I've been that guy in meetings that's dominated. I have, and I've also been that guy who hasn't talked a whole lot, right? Based on, right. Maybe it's domain expertise or whatever the situation was. But I know there's been many times where you're like, oh, should I speak up? Oh, oh, we've already zoomed past that topic that we're already on to the next thing. And you're like, okay, well, I'll circle back to that later. And I was recently talking to a friend who uh, was flying back to, to uh, lives in Amsterdam, is going back to his offsite. And I asked him about going back to work, right? Because we're in this whole interesting space, right? With remote work and hybrid and, and fully in person. And, and I asked him, I'm like, well, what about the, you know, what about these, these meetings and are you excited about going back? He's like, you know what? It's not the meetings. It's the meeting after the meeting. It's that connection. It's that point where you actually get to connect with someone. So right. I think this helps reduce the need for that because that is right. There's always, there's the meeting. And then there's that conversation by the water cooler after the meeting, like, hold on, we need to dig more into this. Like couldn't do that before because right. There was time or maybe it wasn't the right place, but this is again, digging out those insights that no, won't necessarily bubble to the top. If you just leave it to the standard group norms that exist. Well, and, and by the way, I, I would add to that because we're really, you're right. We could get so focused on just what happens in that session. But what's also happening in that session is you're dissolving the normal barriers that people have between each other on teams. So what your methodology to me really also does is it creates trust. It creates bonding just by having fun together. You get to know somebody as a human being better rather than simply, you know, Sally in, you know, in advertising and by their roles. You connect with each other's humanity so that when they are at that water cooler the next day, oh, these are now human beings who feel free to actually share more and actually really you create that space that's kind of an intangible. It's an intangible quantity. It's hard to actually put a price tag on what it means for teams to interact like that. And you just accomplish it, I think, very effectively. Well, I mean, you know, you, you go back to trust and trust being such a right a foundation of um, things like psychological safety and feeling valued at work. And, and, you know, you look to the core of right where a lot of trust comes from and just being able to know people, being able to reveal yourself is is part of 
right? And when you get to share, that's why I like to pick out some fun stories for people to share, like what you wanted to be when you grew up. You know, what are you, what are you most excited about right now? Just certain questions that allow people and gives them permission to share about themselves in a very succinct way. Uh, and to be seen by others. Seen. Yeah. And so you get this level of, uh, again, and with that deeper level, people will share more. Again, so all of these things come together where, yeah, you're 100% right. This, this connection has, has grown. It's amplified that will live on beyond that workshop. And yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing to build that out of Legos, right? It just seems so going back to what you're actually doing, right? We're just exactly. Play. Oh, that was the, the, the point I was uh, thinking of was the aspect of play. Cause when we play, there's a lot of things happening. There's a, a wonderful book out there called play by Dr. Stuart Brown. And one of the key aspects of play is that we have a diminished consciousness of self, right? And we bring our true selves forward. So think about when you play, whether it's an, an instrument or a game or whatever it might be, right? Play can mean different things to different people. Uh, but when you're playing and you're truly in that zone, you don't think as much about, oh, how am I being viewed or what I'm doing? You tend to bring your true self forward, right? And yes, we're still in a work environment. So is it 100% play, right? There's definitely still a work aspect to it. You're bringing more of you out. Uh, that I think is also where a massive amount of that trust, of that connection, uh, and that growth that's happening in teams. Awesome, well, Brandon. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and just have this conversation. I'm so such a fan of of this methodology. I think it's so uh, it sneaks up on you. I, th I think it it has this uh, un really surprising value that if pe more people could access would really make a big difference on their teams. If people want to reach out to you, where, uh, how would, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, best spot, you can head to my website. Uh, it's uh, brandonthelegoguy.com. Nice and easy to get to. Uh, it'll come to my company site, which is in create where we have all our services, all our offerings and my contact information as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time and uh, can't wait to make more Lego figures. Thanks for having me. Sean. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the Evolution of Innovation podcast. If you'd like to hear more, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and also on seanmaderstudio.com. And if you're interested in any of our digital transformation services for learning, training, and development, you can also find out information there. It's s-h-a-u-n-m-a-d-e-r studio.com. Thanks and have a great day.